You're listening to Felony Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another riveting edition of Felony Inc. Podcast. Broadcasting live from my living room in scenic Death Valley, Portland. That's right. Summertime is officially upon us. Uh, Here at Felony Inc. Podcast, in America, we live in a society that houses the largest inmate population on earth. The current cost of mass incarceration is incalculably and outlandish. So anything that can be done to curb curb the recidivism rate is incredibly valuable. That's what we attempt to do one show at a time and one guest at a time, or today, two guests at a time at Felony Inc. Podcast. Joining me as always is my favorite co-host, Meg Thibodeau. Meg, how are you doing today? I'm doing absolutely fantastic, Dick. It's good to be here. I'm really excited about our guests today. Yeah, I am as well. It's an incredible guest. Uh, today, if you're just joining us, our guests are Danny Wilson and Tracy Schlapp from Folsom 50 Project. Uh, Folsom 50 Project brings music and art inside Oregon's prisons. Also, uh, they have a website, bridgeworksoregon.org. And uh, Danny Wilson is the frontman of a band called Luther's Boots. Guys, how are you doing today? Doing great. Doing great, Nick. Thank you for joining us. Um, Thank you. Let's see. Yeah, no problem. Got so much to talk about. Uh, basically, let's talk about how you guys got started with the whole concept of uh, the Folsom 50 Project. I'm really interested in about that. It, it was, it was uh, sort of an offhand comment. Uh, I don't know, was it about three years ago, Trace? Something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think about three years. Um, I was playing music with a band and we were playing the song Folsom Prison Blues. And um, I'm giving you kind of the short version here. And uh, it got me, although I listened to Johnny Cash a lot uh, previous, uh, previously. Uh, at the time, I kind of uh, rekindled that relationship with that full record, even though the band where I was playing had just played the one song. And it just got me thinking about that as a singular piece of work, the, the full album at Folsom Prison. And I made a sort of offhand comment to Tracy at the time that I wanted to get my band and just play the whole record start to finish in a bar somewhere. And uh, because I, I really started, it's one of those records that really is a single sort of piece of work. And um, Tracy's comment was, uh, that would be neat, but you should go do it in prison. And, <laughs> and, and, and we kind of just laughed about that a little bit, I guess. And uh, it was like, oh, we can't do that. We can't do that. But, we, but then she kind of like stuck to this idea a little bit. Let's it, make some calls. Yeah. And let's just see if we can do it. And Danny is really good about picking up the phone. And so um, we happen to have a, a good friend, Reiko Hillier, who teaches an inside out class through Lewis and Clark College at uh, CRCI. And so she gave us a recommendation of calling Elizabeth Carney, who was at CRCI at that time. And I joke now that if you want to um, get into prison, you call Elizabeth and uh, she'll, she'll, she'll turn any no's into yeses. And she's just been a, a, an ally all the way through this project. Now, at the time, was Elizabeth, and when you talked to her, had there been like a lot of other bands kind of inquiring about playing in prison, or was this kind of a relatively new concept? Uh, it's not a new concept, but um, what we found was that um, people just didn't really do it 
every yeah. once in a while, when we started making calls and talking to people, every once in a while you'd hear about it, like the folks at Coffee Creek, uh, which is uh, uh, the women's prison, had said that, yeah, they every once in a while they get somebody coming in. But the thing that was interesting almost exclusively seemed to be religious sort of music um, of one sort or another. There weren't a lot of just outside bands coming in and playing and enter doing any sort of entertainment. Um, but if you go back, um, what we found when we first visited Oregon State Penitentiary, they have actually have a long history of really big acts coming through there. Um, Stevie Ray Vaughan played there. Um, George Thorogood played there. Uh, I think Jackson Brown, right? I think so. And and so they have this sort of wall of fame, but they haven't done it for a long time. Yeah. They've sort of cracked down on, uh, there were some security issues at one point, so they stopped doing that. And, um, but, but mostly, you know, you go in, it's really a volunteer thing. Nobody, they do not, uh, you know, pay you even your 200 bucks that you might get at a bar for playing. There's nothing. <laughs> yeah. It, it's yeah. really out of the, you know, because you want to go do this sort of service for people. So they didn't. They don't have a lot because of that. And I think also people, I, I, we get so much out of it that I think if we kind of open this up to people, there may be some more interest in, in doing it. But um, I don't think people understand how they would go about it. We, we certainly didn't. Uh, and if it's even possible. So. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, the, um, the inquiry for me, um, I'm a, a visual artist, and I just kind of wondered, you know, how does how does something like you hear all these cliches about art saves lives. And I, I really wondered like, what is, what happens when you, when you, when you bring something like art and music inside a prison, how does that really actually change the, 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 uh, the, the space. And um, so that was just, it was really an intellectual inquiry, but it's, it quickly moved to kind of a heart inquiry as we got a chance to meet people and um, realize that there's there there really is this um, importance of of reaching and interacting with people and and so it it, it quickly moved from just this idea to this mission. Will you guys it's, talk a little bit more about the um, your experience with the inmates as audience versus other audiences that you've played for? Um, after yeah, after the first. Uh, couple of shows the first one at columbia river correctional in portland and then uh the second one was at the women's prison coffee creek correctional facility in wilsonville um mind you i'm the bands i've played in are not are not popular you know we don't have anything on the radio we're not even a big name in portland or anything so we're playing in smaller clubs and bars and stuff like that a lot of friends and family you know some strangers and whatever and um those two audiences were far and away the best two groups that I've ever played for. Uh, and, and, uh, they were, and I know it, it comes from a, a, a place of appreciation that people are willing to come spend their time in there. Yeah. They're very, very attentive to what's going on. They're listening to the whole thing. There is no cell phone to distract them, you know? Um, so that help that helps. And, uh, but they were just, they were engaged the whole time, yeah. you know? Yeah. Hooping and hollering and, yeah. you know, just really, um, so appreciative. And then the other thing that's kind of cool is that before the show, 
And after the show, we generally work with adults in custody and they help us um, set things up, set up chairs. And so we right away had this opportunity to have just kind of at ease conversations with people and real informal. And so that was the place where we realized how um, how important it was to come in as um, just someone interested in be, you know meeting people where they are as other people and 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 that we also had something to do together you know just like you know if you get take go to a party and you have a job to do you're going to have a little more fun because you're getting a chance to interact and and you all have a common common purpose and so that was a great way of sort of tempering people so that we had a little fan base even before the show started and so then that also kind of signaled to other people in the audience, like, they're okay. Like, you can relax a little bit. And so that, that little bit of building out um, helped us want to keep coming back. So the, the other thing about playing to those, there, there were a couple, couple of weeks apart, the men's prison to the women's prison. The men, uh, very attentive, like I said, uh, uh, we're, we're sitting and, you know, kind of like, uh, uh, all of us tough guys do, you know, kind of, we don't get too effusive. Is that the right word? Effusive would and, be the word. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but you see people sing along because it's a record that a lot of people know. Yeah. And so you see them singing along and you can, and just by the engagement and, and the eye contact was, yeah. was, you knew that, and they cheered really well after, yes. you know, when it was appropriate times after songs and whatever. The women, on the other hand, were the on their ladies feet. ladies were dancing. On their feet. <laughs> and not in every song, because some of them were slow and sad and everything, yeah. but yeah. they were up and hooting and hollering, and it was a blast. And we, were, we didn't expect that at all. Yeah. It was sort of a shock, and it was yeah. really fun. And we've That's been, fantastic. Yeah, it was really fun. And, and we've been there two other times uh, at Coffee Creek, and it's basically the same thing every time. Yeah. It really hits me what Tracy was saying about being curious what bringing art into the space would do to the space and the idea that people, what you said about the people being really appreciative that someone would come in and take the time. And I think there's a real distinction between someone come, like there's a, there's a difference between how people come in, take the time and right. give back. And there's something about bringing pure art that isn't asking them to do anything right. different. It isn't asking right. them to gut themselves and tell you their personal stories or to explain why they made a mistake and how they're going to be better, which is such a common theme in prisons. Yes. And right. it's, it can be very dehumanizing. And there's also people who going into prisons with the attitude that they are really doing a good virtuous thing and that's picked up by the people as well so there's yeah. really something cool about just taking pure music in and you guys didn't just take music in you also created a really beautiful little pamphlet will you tell Thank us you. more about that so you know i'm a visual artist and a writer and i have a, a 1928 uh chandler and price clamshell letterpress and so i really wanted to bring my, a huge part of my uh, studio practice is that printing is democratic and so i really really wanted to bring in to um, all of my work an opportunity to exchange ideas. So um, I, I was really wanted to approach that Johnny Cash album from a different perspective since I don't play music. I wanted to really look at sort of the construct of the, the way it was constructed and um, think about the songs he chose and 
read about him and kind of what he was up to. Because, you know, he has a, a reputation um, that uh, is well-earned for um, being a little bit of contradictory. And as the, the, there's a idea that he was a bad boy and that he was in prison, but he was never in prison. He spent a couple nights in jail, but um, he never served time, but he was really identified with folks inside. And I think part of that comes out of his struggle with addiction. And so as and just, I, and just being poor growing up and poor. just being growing up poor and knowing that um, some, sometimes that you make choices or that things come about that get you in trouble. And so all of that then became the, the ground for writing an essay about the album, because I didn't want to take for granted that people would know the album well or know Johnny Cash's story. Because it was 50 years old. That in, when we did it in 2018, so it was a 50 year anniversary, sort of by luck when we yes. decided to do right. that. But right. um, it, to to what Tracy's getting at there too is it, it it as a as a team here we took a, a really serious uh, look at at what he tried to figure out why he was doing what he did and how it worked so there was a, a whole bunch of uh, biographies about him read there's a whole bunch of research that went into uh, before we played a note. And that's really well reflected in the essay that Tracy wrote that's in that book that we handed to each one of the um, right. folks Right, and then Danny um, took in his own performance, and the music, the album wasn't played note for note. It was um, the band really wrapped their arms around the performance and made it their own. And so the other part of it was that in between some of the songs we had Danny sort of tell little bits of story and biography. So we wanted two layers to the performance or three layers, really the biography, the, the music itself. And then this, this totem, this thing to take away that you keep that someone made for you. And that, so all three layers of that then kind of became our template for how to move forward. So the book sort of with, like Tracy said, not making the assumption that everybody knows that album and what he was about gave, gave why we were doing what we were doing a little bit of context. And um, I don't know what, what spurred that very first pro, uh, concert at Columbia River. She puts her heart and soul into making these books and it's time. I, I, there's so much time and labor involved in it because they're all handmade Right. And, and just to be clear, they're made out of beautiful paper. So they're texturally really, really pleasurable. They've got different types of paper, your print work, visual art, and then it's got essay, lyrics. So it's a really special thing to leave behind. Again, bringing art into a space that these people get to keep. Yeah. And that, so that I was sitting there and I'm just thinking of when I've been in other situations where you've handed out things to 180 people and then you see them just littering the floor afterwards. Right. They have and to so, put a recycling bin right out the door for everybody to right. put the thing they just got in. Right. And so this is the first time we're in there. And, and I said to Teresa, I said, it's kind of like warning her. I was like, don't be trying don't to get keep your up feelings hurt when you see, when we look out and there's just left all over the table or whatever. I said, don't worry, I'll just collect them and bring them to Coffee Creek. It'll be fine. <laughs> and I think there was 180 men at, at 
Columbia River, and there was two that were left yeah. only. Yeah. And, and then the coolest thing was we went back about a month later, maybe five weeks, and to do a little print workshop just for about 15 or 20 of the men. And uh, we, would, we walked into the, the Columbia River, and then we're seeing guys walk down the hall, and the book is in their back pocket. So they're 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 taking them with them wherever they're going. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I know they don't have a lot of space to just keep stuff at their bunk or whatever, but that it, felt very it was special. Really There's very enough special. space for that little book, just for the yes. record. Yeah. I think this yeah. is proof of what we're saying here that you're bringing something that is appreciated because the thing itself values a sort of uh, humanity that isn't just really specific to them and their predicament, right? Right, right, right. I think it's really cool work. So one of the things we learned as we were talking to Elizabeth, because she's worked um, not just, she's she's been in the, a, a career person in, in D, at DOC, and so she's really knows and is well-respected among um, many of the prisons statewide. And... The first time we met with her, she said, this is so great that you want to do this in the urban area. And she said, we get lots and lots of um, people that are like-minded and want to do things to help. And she said, but, you know, really the places where they're really hungry are, you know, Lakeview and Ontario and some of these other prisons. And so after we successfully counted in... Lakeview, just real quick, Lakeview and Ontario are six hours from Portland. Yes. Okay. And And... I, I know you probably know that, Meg, but and Dick, but uh, if when when you start thinking about that, you know, half the people are from this side of the state, and which means half half of their or more that are in prison. Yeah, it means that they're six hours from their family and visits and stuff right. like that. Yeah, and six hours from the liberal okay. base of yeah. people who are more motivated. Yeah. Just right. The folks that are volunteering to do cool things. They have volunteers out there for sure. They do have volunteers. I mean, Lakeview is 2,000 people, so they're not going to have all that many probably. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Oh, so I was just going to say so early on, um, we realized that if we could kind of get some steam under this thing, that we really would like to take the band and um, ourselves to these other prisons. And so that's, it's, like everything, every bureaucracy takes time. And so, and we, one of the values of the project from the very get-go was also that we would pay our musicians. And if we were going to go somewhere, we would pay their way. And so there was a little bit of fundraising that was required. Um, we applied for a RAC grant originally, and we didn't get that RAC grant for the first two concerts, but we went ahead and did the concerts because we thought, well, now that we've gotten our hearts and minds around this idea. We're going to just do it. And then later we got, uh, we got a rec grant that helped us with the doing a reprise at CRCI and coffee Creek. But that, that is for the tri-county area. So we were really fortunate to receive a, a grant from a foundation that then paid for us to go to Pendleton, Lakeview, Ontario, North Bend, where else? And then Baker. Baker. And so we were able to go out to all those uh, facilities. And because everyone is so welcoming and um, 
but both the the folks that work there and the folks inside, we then all of a sudden had this bird's eye view of these different facilities. And, um, you know, Powder River has, uh, in Baker, has a big um, uh, program for, uh, for recovery. And it also has firefighters, and so there's so that so it's a smaller facility. So that, that that that's one population. Snake is just basically a human factory. It's um, three buildings, a thousand um, adults in custody in each building, and so that was a completely different sort of uh, a, a very different problem to solve for in terms of doing a performance. So in all of these different facilities, then we had these, these ways that we would need to adjust our expectations and um, also, um, you know, play by a different set of rules, you know, and all, in all of them, we had to count in every guitar pick, every guitar string, everything that went in was accounted for. I have a chapstick and I have four Sharpies, you know, like all the right. way through. And luckily, I mean, as sort of uh, nobody can see us, but we're, you know, middle-aged people. And so we look very, very, like, we're going to keep track of the Sharpies. And we have, you know. And so that that helped, I think, really um, build that trust that we were going, going in for the right reasons. The other thing Danny and I did before we brought a band to – Powder River or to any of these places is we went to each of those prisons and met with folks so that they felt because you know there's there's this there are these safety concerns and so they needed to, to they needed to trust that we were going to come in with good intentions and not um, you know not be uh, and be respectful of the folks in their care so we we all the while we were really balancing that that um, just wanting to be respectful and um, and make make it a big win for everyone because yeah and that's quite a calculus when you're trying to balance the respect and the trust of the guards but really going in as folks for the inmates it's definitely yeah. admirable to be able to balance that in so many places. Um, yeah. Dick, did you have any other questions about the Folsom Fifty before we? Yeah, I'm just going to ask, for the commercial break, I'm going to ask one more thing. Uh, so essentially, for those listening, wondering what a RAC grant is, that's a regional arts and culture grant. And um, you guys were given one, uh, actually, your first season, when you did Folsom Prison Live in 2018, I believe. Yeah. Uh, it was supported by the RAC grant. And then on your third season, which is the most recent one of the Darkened Road Ahead um, season, you were also... Uh, given a RAC grant for the album to get produced. Is that correct? That's right. So, um, you know, uh, while, while we're doing this and before I, I've always, not always, but in the last few years, I've been writing my own songs and, uh, you know, as we go along the way. So I just, uh, we thought it was, a, you know, there's songs that I had started writing right when the, right when the project started. And um, they weren't, a lot of them had a lot of, because we did so much research into cash, so there's some definite cash references, uh, very specific, no hiding it at all, because we even say his name in some of the songs. And the, and so basically the, the album kind of came out of this time period and came out of the Folsom 50 project the first two years. 
Um, all the songs did. And, um, you know, I don't really talk about prison in it so much, um, but there are some parallels, I guess, with some of the themes that are happening there. Mm-hmm. Just like, just, oh, I, I almost compared myself to Johnny Cash. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> but like some of his songs on that Wilson Prison weren't necessarily about prison. But if you read Tracy's essay, like, oh, yes, that's exactly about what's happening here. That's why he chose that song. So there's a little bit of that. I got to say it's probably accidental at best on my part. Um, but we, we did another tour uh, in 2019 of different cash tunes. Meanwhile, I'm still writing songs and then applied for a rack grant to record all the original material um, that <clears throat> I came up with over the last couple of years and got that grant last year and just finished that record in January with the current version of Luther's Boots. We've had a number of people play with us. And that was the music that we were going to tour with this year was mostly a live set mixed with some other cash stuff and, and, and a little bit of other people as well. But, um, so that was, uh, uh, the rack grant funded. Thank you rack mm-hmm. for that, uh, record that we just, just came out. We just released it on, in June, on June 12th. And, and the, one of the ideas in that is that, um, we we felt like as we met people and uh, we felt like we were having this opportunity to um, be told stories and um, that, that that there was a way in which how this project had impacted each of our lives as creative people was really profound and so what I loved about having Danny sort of working on this music and then recording this music and then bring it back to prison it was a way of saying thank you for what you've given me and um, that your, that your stories or your just, just that this process is reciprocal. And I think that that's really, um, so it's, I was just thinking about this this morning about how it's really hard to, to have made this thing and then not be able to deliver it. I'm very curious. Yeah, we want to hear about that. We're going to pause just uh, for a couple of seconds here to take a commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to ask you how you're going to deliver during times of COVID. Um, So let's take a break. This hour of the Startup Radio Network is supported by Bridges to Change. Bridges to Change's mission is to strengthen individuals and families affected by addictions, mental health, poverty, and homelessness. They use their voice and resources to stand up to all forms of discrimination, mass incarceration, barriers to health care, and inequitable economic opportunities. Bridges to Change's goal is to empower people to be self-sufficient and become members of the community, who in turn offer the same opportunities to help others. They strive to have everyone leaving their organization with stable housing, social support, sustainable employment, education, access to health care, family engagement, and goals for the future. To get involved, donate, or to get help, make sure to visit www.bridgestochange.com. And we're back with Felony Podcast. We're talking to Danny Wilson and Tracy Schaff of the Folsom 50 Project, uh, the band Luther's Boots. Uh, Tracy and Daniel, we're so glad to have you guys here. We were just talking about your latest project, The Dark and Road Ahead, the original album that you guys just released in June. 
And um, very curious, up until now, you've been able to take your music into prisons. And we are now in a global pandemic and folks in prison are doing without a lot of stuff, including volunteers. So what have you guys come up with? Um, I'm going to back up just a quick second and say something yeah. a little bit more about the record, which will also uh, lead Please, us into yeah. that. So um, there's 11 songs on the record and they, you know, uh, they tend to, the more you play them, the tend the more they tend to morph along a little bit, you find where it's going to land. Um, there's a couple of songs on there that uh, I was having some trouble with how, what sort of what to do with them. And there are two, two songs that are specific um, to Johnny Cash. Um, there was a point in his life where he uh, basically was done and he, he walked into uh, this cave, Nick Jack cave, and was going to go in and never be found again. And so he tells the story in his autobiography and, um, <laughs> Hey, it, it, it's, I'm not going to tell the story, but the, the, both these songs got to get to me a little bit. Yeah. Um, see if I can recover for a second here. So anyway, one of the songs called without God is, and it's this really sort of, um, it, it, it tells about this. It's my version of telling about this, this moment and we had played it a band, a full band thing. It just wasn't working. Um, and so tried to come up with another idea and I'll get to that in a second. The other song was specifically about Jack Cash, which was Johnny's older brother. And I had been watching the Ken Burns country music documentary. I knew this story already. That was really but, good. Yeah, it's really good. I knew the story already, but the way Ken Burns masterfully uh, told it on the screen there, um, he he relayed these uh, words that Jack Cash said on his deathbed to his mom. Um, there I go, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you, do you want me to tell? No, I got it. Okay. So I took those words and uh, and I basically used them in the chorus of this song and sort of um, told it from from Johnny's perspective, I guess. And uh, both of us didn't quite know how to do them. And, and the song called Jack Song, which is the one using the words that he spoke, uh, started feeling very gospel sort of in nature, and um, which isn't me at all, but it just kind of came out that way. Backing up even a little bit further, Tracy and I had taken, uh, uh, in 2019, we couldn't do a full concert around the state because we didn't have the funds to do it. So we do, do this lecture, which is sort of a musical lecture, her talking, uh, uh, speaking out of, from the essays she's written and then me playing songs of caches in between that are sort of emphasizing the points that are being made. When we did that in Lakeview, Oregon, at the Warner Creek Correctional Facility, um, before we played, uh, we did our lecture, the chapel uh, band, uh, the chaplain had their 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 adults in custody band sing a couple of songs, and just with guitar, and then five, four or five guys singing harmonies. One was Spana Constasaro, Spana Constasaro, and the other was "Take It to the Limit" by the Eagles, which Tracy hates that song. But the idea of hearing. But it was so yeah. moving and, and beautiful. You they, know what? Road songs sung voices. in prison are heartbreaking. The idea of a window unrolled, songs that you listen to on the highway being sung by 
folks in custody is a is really really gets you. And these guys can sing. Yeah, they really can sing. beautiful. And the the chaplain actually at, at one point in his career apparently played music in the early days with Garth Brooks, so he knew what he was doing. Yeah. So so, so anyway, these we're trying to figure this out. And then it kind of had this moment like, wait, let's see if we can get the chapel band to sing on Jack's song as a choir. Because oh they, they can yes. pull, they can totally pull that off. And somehow between Chaplain Friend and Trevor, Trevor Sandcliffe down at Warner Creek, they got us approval to come in and do that. And so that was able <laughs> to happen March 1st. We, I mean, really, it was, we just ended up like pulling it off and then prisons closed March 15th. Yeah. And so we came in, I sent I, uh, Zach, our guitar player, who's a music uh, major at Portland State and our bass player is actually as well. Um, I had him compose, uh, do an arrangement for a choir of the chorus that these guys could sing. Sent it down to them with a demo so they could practice. And we went down there and recorded that one afternoon. And at the same time on the other song, kind of struck me along the way that we could have their, their one guy who had, who had also uh, kind of did more of the, the solo type of music or, or uh, singing in, in the choir. I had him back me up on just that, on the one song. That's uh, gorgeous. Because it's very lonely. So it's kind of, and there's a part about in the song about uh, where, where uh, I reference uh, Johnny's brother again. And that's when, when uh, James comes in and sings and it's just hearing his voice is just something. So. Yeah. He's really, he knows exactly how to like, pull back just a little bit but i think all both the, well particularly without god is a song about being in a really dark place and being alone and so this is the this is these are the moments where um where the song is about johnny cash but clearly danny is also um like connecting with the folks he's meeting and understanding that isolation and then compiled with how it's one thing to be in prison, but still be able to have a family visit or whatever. But the other part of it is when we know that these guys now and, and ladies are, um, are are without their families. It's it's particularly uh, moving for us, but also just heartbreaking to kind of know that there's this so to, further so isolation. To how how do we do it now when we can't oh, go yes. in? Yeah. So, <laughs> so tell us about I, your plan to get us back in. Very yes. exciting. I, I wanted to tell that story just because those guys are uh, important in the whole record. But um, we also have to figure out how they, I don't think any of the men that were in that choir, Warner Creek is a minimum, it's a release facility. So some of they get, they rotate through a little bit as they're, as they're releasing from prison. Um, but we want to make sure that they can see this or hear this uh, mm -hmm. recording, the final version of it. I, I, I sent it down to the chaplain so they've heard it, but in a different context and everything. And, um, you know, there's just no way. That w it really appears that volunteers aren't going to get in, I don't even think by January. I don't, yeah. I don't think it'll be until halfway through next year at best, if the way things look. At best. And uh, so... Uh, in the in the age of the live stream, 
um, we started looking at that. Now they don't have any access to live stream or or, mm-hmm. or really computers at all, uh, but they do have um, a TV system um, in all the facilities with multiple channels, and um, they have they have their own sort of you know they can get CNN and they can get uh, I don't know they probably get the Cartoon Network I don't know but they have you know a large array of broadcast channels. But they also have some that they can program themselves. So the only reason I bring up the live stream, I'm not necessarily a, a big fan or, or need to do a lot of that. But we we did one so that we could do a live show and get the and get it on video that we can then send into the prison so that they can play it on their system, so they can see what we would have done and what we will do when it's time to get back. But we've decided, uh, and we're trialing it at the Oregon State Pen uh, first. We've decided to kind of take it a step further. And so we've, we actually just dropped the video off on Tuesday, and we uh, sent them the liner notes, which you, I think, have read now, Meg. Um, yes, yes. The, the essay and the lyrics and all this stuff. And we have a uh, one uh, adult custody down there who is kind of our main contact and he's in for life and uh, he's, a, he's really a tremendous person and a really great community organizer and so we we work with him on quite a few different projects and so he'll um help us uh get not only show it to the the community um but he'll help sort of help advertise it so they know hey it's luther's boots and we've played Oregon State Penn that first year on the yard for um, ultimately 750 guys. So we had a really big show and it's sort of our home prison. Um, so we, uh, he's going to play it, but then we're going to ask folks that are watching it if they have questions or they want to like, he's going to, he's going to actually, we're asking if he can take the liner notes cause they can make copies and he can distribute He's not going to distribute it to 2,200 men that are at the prison, but a small group, 25 or 30, hopefully, and to read it and watch it with intention that they have questions about the project. Because it does have, in those notes, there is a little bit of the history of the project and about the music itself, of course. And we're hoping that they will, uh, I know they will. He he will get them to do that because he's good at that. Uh, Come back with questions for me or the project in general, or Tracy, based off the artwork that's in there, or the, or the band members, or what's this song about, or whatever it is. We're hoping that we get a whole bunch of questions back. <clears throat> and then, in uh, like an old correspondence course, um, we want to do a new video um, with, which is a combination of like sitting as, as a band and playing the songs, but sort of in response We'll, we'll see what the questions that we get. We don't know what it's going to be at this point. And, and design a set around and in between questions. And then film that and send it back. <laughs> and like that. And we, we're, we're hoping to do similar. You know, that's the one thing for the music part of it. But yeah. we also want to do that with some other. Yes. So, with our, so we have a class. And so we're creating the COVID pivot with our storytelling class. And um, we just talked to our the, the um, volunteer advisor um, on Tuesday. And so we're going to, the class had been 
um, reading and it was all, it's all about storytelling with a final project where the men um, are respond to questions written um, by middle school and high school students about life inside. And there are evocative questions, they're thoughtful questions, they're funny questions, and the men re in our group really responded to them. And they're like, oh, well, just to be to clear, there's yeah. a class that's separate from the Folsom yes. 50 project yes. that you're also yes. doing. Right. And this class was generated out of your success and enjoyment of the Folsom 50 project. And exactly what right. prison are you doing the class in? We're doing the class at Oregon State Penn. And, um, and it's a storytelling class. It's, 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 it's a little, it, it's sometimes the way we term things, Meg and Dick, is a little bit confusing, <laughs> even, even over on this side of the table. <laughs> the whole thing that we do, we call Folsom 50. Got it, it got just, it, got it. It just so happens that we, when we first started, all we were doing was at Folsom Prison, and it was 50 years later, so that's what we named it. But we've done a book drive at South Fork, uh, That's right. At, at South Fork, uh, we've done this lecture series um, in most of the prisons in Oregon. Um, and then this class, they're all sort of part of Folsom 50 as the big header. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So okay. It, so there's, yeah. it's, it encompasses all the work, which is getting, it sounds like, even a little more varied. Yeah. Yes. So that's right. exciting. Right. Okay. Well, so, yeah. yeah, it's a little So bit the middle scores. Yes. So the middle schoolers and the high schoolers that saw our lecture um, about uh, about the, the first year of the project, um, they responded with all these questions. And um, it's a it, I think that I think that uh, we're starting to we're really at an exciting time where people are starting to recognize like general population outside are starting to recognize that this is mass incarceration is um, is something that we have to, we have to um, as a, a society, we have to do something about. And you really feel it when you have high school kids asking you questions about it. So, so the, the project Folsom 50 started as this sort of bringing things inside, <clears throat> but there was always an element on our part um, of also sort of broadcasting out from you know, what we have experienced. And, you know, the kids, the questions for the kids, uh, somehow, you know, they, they were interested in what we were doing mm -hmm. and it had some meaning to them. Mm -hmm. And so we've done the lecture at Willamette University and Blue Mountain Community College. We actually went down and, and the lecture is based off our experiences and the people we met and what we found and how they appreciated what we were, uh, you know, how they would appreciate more volunteers doing things that they uh, love doing. Uh, we actually went out of the Johnny Cash Heritage Festival. We were asked to do it down there in Dias, Arkansas last year. So we're, it's, it's, it's not just bringing things in, but it's also just broadcasting out of, of um, information mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. Smart. That's so, a beautiful thing. Um, anyway. So just yeah. um, not to interrupt, but uh, Tracy, just yesterday you were at OSP and you were, um, actually doing something really cool. Uh, you're donating a thousand bars of Happy Said Soap yes. to all the inmates there. I actually had, a, at the beginning of the pandemic, a friend of mine, a recording artist, E40, donated a bunch of hand sanitizers to San Quentin in uh, California. Um, how did this all, how did this idea, how did this concept come, come alive? How, 
what inspired you to do this? Well, as my day job is uh, a graphic designer, and so I was approached by Happy Suds to design a label for um, a, the for them to um, put uh, a soap on the market, a uh, regular uh, market. And they wanted to do, start the whole project with a, an act of, of kindness. And so they were looking to donate some soap to, um, to uh, Oregon Harbor of Hope and then um, a prison. And I asked if we could, if I worked on it, would they do that for Oregon State Penn? Simply because... Again, my the person I work with, the adult in custody I work with, um, so closely. He's so he's so smart about how to how to do that distribution and what is meaningful and what would be helpful from uh, from an adult in custody uh, perspective. And so he said, "Yeah, we'll take the soap." And so we ended up working with a soap maker in Salem who it makes beautiful beautiful handmade soap and it's um we talked extensively about what it should be and it's peppermint tea tree which has antiviral properties it smells wonderful and um so then what's the name of that soap company down there um that's lab okay so and so he made this beautiful soap packaged it with the labels i created for happy suds and we picked the, the delivery up yesterday and brought it down. And what um, our person side is going to do is he's going to make sure that soap gets to people in special housing. And these folks may not, for a variety of reasons, have um, funds to um, purchase the commissary. And so they may not have enough soap and things. And so this is a way of making sure that folks that, even within a system where there's not a lot of access, these folks really don't have access. And um, so we're hoping that, and uh, our person inside is going to get back to me in the next two weeks, let me know how it went and and just how, what, what kind of impact it had. And so we're hoping uh, as part of Folsom 50 that this little thing that we could start maybe for uh, the holidays, helping the, folks at OSP get a bar of soap to each each person inside for, they do a Christmas bag every year, the, the Lifers Club. And so we're going to look for donations to see if we can do a, a further project. So this is, this is why it all gets slippery when we start talking about Folsom, because there, there's both the, the thing that we want to do, music, and all that, but then there's also when you go in and you listen, you also hear what people want, and so then you might have to pivot or or modify what you're doing to actually um, help really help people. It's not a lot of help if every time you turn around, someone just makes a T-shirt with their logo on it and, and gives it to people. Like there's a there's a real there's there can be a in in all of this of doing things for people is like really giving them something that is of use or a meaning and that, that's slippery. But so we're trying with the project to, to listen and see what, how we can, what we can provide. I mean, that's huge right now, especially uh, yesterday was another gigantic um, COVID outbreak in Snake River. Uh, oh, I didn't prison, know that. Oh. Um, making the combined amount of 
coronavirus outbreaks uh, in the Oregon Corrections Department, uh, the biggest outbreak in any uh, business in Oregon uh, oh. as of right now. Um, oh. So donating bars of soap, anything like that. Not to mention the soap that they give you as soon as you get into county jail or go to prison yeah. is probably a far cry from like an artisanal soap such as Happy yes, Soaps I know. Uh, can provide. Yeah. You know, I got to say, it sounds bougie, kind of like fancy soap, but honest to goodness, that really, like to really have something that is that is beautiful is important and yeah. i you know so i couldn't agree more um and so right now the album uh from luther's boots dark and road ahead is available uh, how can we get it it is on itunes and it is on spotify and all the regular streaming youtube all of that um if you uh are interested in the beautiful handmade artist book that tracy made uh, which I suggest you should be. Um, you can go to dannywilsonmusic.com and find it there. Um, and uh, the money uh, that we get for sell from selling the book uh, version of it, which is a physical copy, a physical CD with a download, and um, and then this uh, lovely piece of art um, that's going to help fund when we get to go back into the prison again. Um, so the money from that will go, uh, basically, it's basically operating as a fundraiser for that. But, but if you're a, you know, we like it that way, but if you're an iTunes person and you got a subscription, you can get it there. That's great. Are there other ways for folks to donate to the project? On uh, Folsom50.net, there is a simple donate button. So that awesome. is a way to do it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be buying a book uh, as soon as we get done with this interview. Oh, yeah, awesome. thank you. So, awesome. Yeah, thank you. Anything I can't do to support you guys. I love what you're doing. It's it's, uh, it's, it's tricky. Um, you know, uh, Trace and I are happy doing this for free, uh, yeah. essentially, but we do pay the people yeah. that we um, that play with us. And then it costs, you know, it still costs money for the materials for the book and, and stuff like that. But yeah. I mean, yeah. you've had incredible luck. Uh, you know, Tracy was able to secure funding through the Oregon Arts Commission grant. To publish yes. the book. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, just keep on doing what you're doing. I mean, it sounds like everything's going really good other than the, obviously the COVID yeah. hiccup. Right. But uh, even, I mean, right. even with that, you're still at OSP, you're still doing things. And uh, yeah. I want to say again, I really appreciate everything you did at the June uh, 2018 fundraiser to help the prisoners in OSP build the Japanese garden. That's really, uh, yeah. really impressive to me. And uh, just that whole concept is incredible. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Love to have you guys back and check in on you and see how you're doing in the near, you know, not too distant future. Um, thank you. Uh, if you guys want to check it out, oh, thank you for coming. Um, definitely check out Folsom 50 Project on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, check out bridgeworksoregon.org and folsom50.net and uh, buy the book and check out the music. And uh, can't wait to have you guys on again. Thank you. Thank Mary, you. Thanks, uh, as always. Uh, and as usual, catch us every Friday at 10 a.m. at startupradionetwork.com. Phil and Yank. It's me, DJ Dick Hennessy, signing out, and uh, we'll see you next time. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.